The interviews and discussions in this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Hello, we're going overseas for this edition of Stock Insiders to a landlocked country in the heart of Europe, the birthplace of Mozart and Apple Strudel and the setting for the sound of music. Our destination, Austria. And one fact you definitely need to know before we stamp your investment passport, it gets bitterly cold there in winter. Think of those poor little Von Trapp children setting out over the Alps. And it takes a lot of energy to keep 9 million Austrians warm and industry ticking over while all that snow is falling. And when you think about it, across Europe in general, they've added a bit of chaos to supplying the basic energy necessities via the attack on Ukraine by Russia. So that means that in, in 2023 and beyond, energy security is a huge priority. And it means that countries are having to rethink where they're or how they're powering their nations while the energy transformation takes place. So for today's investment opportunity, we are going to talk to the only publicly listed oil and gas company operating in Austria, and they're working to increase the local gas supplies. And guess what? They have a distinct Aussie accent. Let's see if we can fire up your interest in ADX Energy. I'm Christina Morrissey. Welcome to Stock Insiders and welcome to our guest for this edition, Executive Chairman of ADX Energy, Ian Chakos. Ian, hello. Hi, Christina. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. You started your career back when oil and gas was adored all over the world. A little bit of the shine has come off it in recent years. Yeah, look, I think the uh... The general politics for oil and gas is uh, not as good as it used to be. But I think we've discovered over the last uh, year or two in Europe just how critical energy security is. And, uh, you know, maybe we're just taking energy a little bit for granted. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, generally across the globe, we're moving towards the electrification, electrification of the planet. So, can you just explain what does oil, why does oil and gas remain important and something that ADX is, is investing in? Well, look, I mean, transition is a big thing and uh, we're, we're, we want to be part of transition ourselves in Europe. I think uh, what a lot of people forget, actually, that is that oil and gas companies are actually very well uh, positioned uh, because they've got a lot of know-how that's actually very uh, valuable for, for transition in areas like energy storage, geothermal, CO2 storage. Uh, you know, they're right. All those uh, tech assets uh, technically are right in our wheelhouse. But the reality is the demand for energy just keeps growing at 2% per annum. Uh, you know, uh, you look at the European landscape, they've been investing billions for the last five years to actually transition. I mean, they're trying to do more. But the reality is still the uh, amount of, uh, if you like, renewables in the system has not altered as a percentage. So, Look, I think, um, you know, while we all want a cleaner planet, uh, the reality is uh, transition is much harder and it's taken a lot longer than a lot of people are actually uh, confessing up to. Yeah. Actually, you just mentioned the word gas storage. Tell us what gas storage is. How big a business is that in Europe? Well, I actually mentioned energy storage, which is uh, sort of, but gas storage is very big. But when when I talk about energy storage, I, I talk about using uh, underground reservoirs for storage of, uh, of uh, hydrogen uh, and also the conversion of gas to hydrogen underground, which then provides, if you like, in situ storage of 
an alternate form of energy. But historically, in Europe, it's been very big. Uh, and again, that's part of the reason that Europe's really got drunk on Russian gas over the last 20 years. They were able to buy gas from Russia very cheaply in summer, store it, and then sell it back out in winter. Um, so what it's, it's something they've done there because they're very interconnected. Uh, so they've got very good infrastructure. And that means that they could take the, the, you know, the humps and bumps out of uh, gas price by actually storing it. And, and you can see in Australia where our gas prices skyrocket on the East Coast uh, as soon as it starts getting a bit cold because we, we have an inter, uh, a relatively poor interconnected system, but we also don't have any storage. Let's have a look at Austria. You've obviously got very sound geological reasons for focusing on oil and gas in Austria, but before we explore them, I cannot help but think there might be a number of people listening saying, Ian, you do realise we've got a fair bit of gas in Australia. How did an Aussie company become involved in exploring for and now producing oil and gas in Austria and not just stay closer to home? Yeah, look, we started in Australia, but as a, as a small explorer, we, were, we did what many others do, uh, scrammed around the Cooper Basin uh, onshore. Um, look, in my past life, I, my, I worked exclusively offshore in Australia. Uh, but uh, just to give you an example, I mean, last year we made an oil discovery. Uh, it, we basically picked up the licence in January of 2022. We were drilling by uh, December and then producing, uh, you know, within eight months. So you, you c- couldn't do that offshore. The, the, the size of the field has been independently ordered about 5 million barrels, which is small for offshore, but we're already creating cash flow. Um, and the upside could be as much as 26 million barrels. To get a field like that into production uh, in Australia, would, offshore would probably take you five to 10 years. Uh, we haven't discovered a field that size onshore in Australia for over probably 10 to 15 years. Uh, we're drilling a gas prospect that'll be about 800 BCF of gas. Again, typically you, you can't find those anymore onshore, but if you go offshore, again, it would take you sort of five to 10 years to develop something like that. And orders of magnitude difference in, in the, the cost of actually uh, developing something like that. So the main reason is it's geologically still interesting, uh, very good infrastructure, very good terms, and you can just convert your barrels into dollars very quickly. Uh, with good economic returns. How does the size of the predicted oil and gas reserves in Austria compare to neighbouring countries? Well, uh, again, we've been lucky to walk into a a proven basin, but we we also, when I say walk in, the the last uh, producer, explorer, uh, gave up on exploration because they decided to concentrate on on gas storage. Uh, So that spent about 100 million euros on, on seismic. And seismic is actually what enables you to go and find stuff. Uh, they had a historical success rate after that 3D seismic of around 50%, which is very high. But we've been able to go in there and generate up to 20 prospects. So the importance is that you've got prospects that are available for you to drill. You've got good data to drill them with. And if you, if you, if you find them, you, you can commercialise them quickly. But historically, look, Austria's produced about as much oil and gas as the, the Gippsland Basin, which is probably one of our premier basins for oil as well as gas. But how does it compare to perhaps countries that that neighbour Austria? So yeah, look, I mean Romania. I mean we're in Romania as well. That's that's still very prospective. 
a lot of the other com- uh, countries in, in Europe have pretty much given I mean, Germany was perspective, but it's very hard to pick up acreage there. So really, Austria is a bit of a hotspot, both in terms of geology, but, but also in terms of the government's uh, willingness to allow you to get in there and, and, and be active. Yeah. Well, before I ask you a little bit about the support from the government, because you have got this nice, nice-sized reserve in Austria and the option to, to have a little look for some more, does it give you a chance to sell it into other countries? Is it eight countries that actually border onto Austria or five? I can't remember. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's eight countries that border Austria. I mean, look, the good thing is for oil, Austria's got a state-of-the-art refinery owned by the national oil company, OMB, uh, that that can uh, process about 200,000 barrels a day, but their domestic supply is probably around 25,000. So any oil that's uh, produced, you know, can be produced is very much needed. But the, the, the beauty is gas. We're so interconnected that uh, you can sell not only uh, into Austria because they've got a big demand that they currently import, but also into neighbouring countries like Germany, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, etc. So, yeah, there's, there's plenty of demand. And the good thing is it's easy to get to it. Yeah. Well, how does the, the science that you've got nowadays, how does that those sort of tools help your geos in the exploration and production? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, seismic technology is, is, is uh, I guess, the forefront of, of exploration, but also with increased computer uh, power and software, uh, it, it's, it, we've become much better actually at identifying uh, particularly gas uh, than we have historically. So that's really important, but you need to also bring kind of people that understand how to use it. So the good thing is we've been able to combine kind of local know-how with geology, but with, with new skills uh, and making the best out of uh, seismic to generate new prospects. Uh, but in, in other instances uh, where you don't have seismic, uh, now with, you know, incredible, com- uh, you know, computer power, you can actually uh, regenerate the way a basin was constructed over history and then geologically uh, basically remodel the basin and a big gas prospect well chart was actually achieved by that. So there's a bunch of different tools that people are using now uh, to be able to generate new opportunities. Do you have any thoughts on how much um, extra energy you'll be able to you'll be successful in discovering? Oh, look, it's pretty hard to, to say right now. I mean, we, we've got a, a, if you like, a prospective resource, which is, uh, you know, the, the, the exploration prospects in our inventory around uh, 215 million barrels of oil equivalent. Uh, so, you know, when you multiply that by sort of 80 barrels, $80 a barrel, I mean, that's, that's obviously a very large resource. But, look, we, you know, we, we won't be able to drill all of those. Um, uh, so even if we if we're able to drill half of them, then I mean that's you know that's that's enormous for us. And the thing you need to remember is that when these things are onshore and they're and they're close to infrastructure, they're just so much more economic. How long do you think that that oil and gas will actually last for? And with your other prospects, is do you have a time timeline at all? Look, I, I think you know I think we're 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 kind of I mean like you know most small companies. Uh, you know, we're here for a good time, not a long time. So what we want to do is obviously generate, you know, energy over the next 10 to 15 years that's going to be very needed, uh, you know, for Europe during this transition, and particularly in gas, because uh, in Austria you've got uh, one of the largest steel mills in Europe right next to our exploration acreage. So if we can provide gas for them to go towards, you know, green steel using gas, 
then obviously that's going to be a big plus. But look, what we're also looking at is we've got three uh, right now, we're looking at three feasibility projects, actually kind of combining uh, a little oil field that we have in the Vienna Basin where we're planning to use depleted reservoirs for storage of hydrogen. We own a lot of the land, a lot of it's already used uh, mostly for growing uh, very nice white wine, but some of it we also plan to use for, uh, for a solar park. So that, that way you can actually extend the life of your oil field, but also utilise these reservoirs for storing hydrogen. You, you can't have a hydrogen network without somewhere to store, that, store it, and it's very expensive to do it on surface. But in, in Upper Austria, we're also looking at uh, prospects that are a combination of oil and gas and geothermal. And with the very high energy prices in Europe, Geothermal is looking very much more attractive. Uh, it's been huge in uh, in Germany, just across the border, but in Austria it hasn't really taken off. So look, uh, you know, we, what, what we're planning to do in the short term is is develop these oil and gas fields, but in the longer term, uh, progress towards uh, renewable uh, projects, which are part of our portfolio. We're, we're not going out and sort of, uh, let's say, doing a divergence. Uh, it's yeah. just... Of the business. You've got that strategy there to efficiently service the population in Ireland with that decarbonisation. If you go back to that, the company which you've you've picked up the the, the exploration prospects from, uh, are you surprised looking at how much you've actually discovered now that that they actually handed it over or relinquished it? Oh, look, not really. I mean, we're seeing a lot of companies now, which uh, you know, if you go and look up their websites, very large oil and gas companies that are making billions out of oil, producing oil and gas, they're saying, you know, they're going to decarbonise. Well, the only way you can decarbonise is either stop, stop producing or uh, start producing a lot more renewables if you want to get to net zero. So I think what we're seeing now is a lot of companies are not exploring. So this company made the decision because they had a very large gas storage business that they would focus on, on gas storage rather than exploration. And, and look, they've gone to different countries and had a bit of a go and were not that successful. They, they got out of their, you know, their own sort of uh, uh, play, uh, play, play pen and, and were not so successful elsewhere. So it, it was predictable. Uh, we're very fortunate. Maybe after the, the Russians invaded Ukraine, they, they would have thought about things a bit differently. But, uh, you know, hindsight's 2020. For yourselves, what has the transition from Explorer to Producer meant for ADX and shareholders? Look, it's meant a lot, uh, I, I believe, uh, for, for shareholders because uh, we're, we're sort of self-sustainable. Uh, the, the original field we bought is still producing at around 280 barrels a day. We, we basically bought it on, on one year of cash flow. Um, uh, and then we've made this new discovery. The first oil is now producing at around 140 barrels a day. So we've been able to increase our production rate by about uh, 50%. But most importantly is, is that we are, you know, uh, cash positive, that we can sustain our operations and also start to develop additional capital where we've been able to pay off debt and, and also uh, fund new projects. So that, that's uh, very important for us. You mentioned support from the government has been really positive in Austria. Can you outline that for those of us that are listening? Yeah, well, look, I think uh, what, what we do have there is a, a recognition, first of all, not, not just in Austria, uh, but in Europe, that actually gas is a transition fuel. So the Europeans understand it, and and they, uh, from a regulatory perspective, they're not trying to, uh, if you like, uh, reduce the number of gas projects that, that might get up. Uh, but also, uh, 
I guess it's you know it's it's run with Germanic efficiency. So we're, we're getting our uh, our uh, you know acreage. We're able to apply for acreage very quickly. We're able to get wells drilled very quickly, and then we're able to get into production very quickly. So it, it's just you know the amount of time that it takes from the point of view you go invest your money to the point of view you can generate cash flow. Yeah. Well, what are the, if I had to look at your game plan for the next 12 months, what is it? You've mentioned all these prospects, but you have a very definite plan of, of, of you know, targets you want to hit. Yeah, what, what we want to do is obviously uh, try to get our cash flow up. Um, the the Anshoff Discovery has got a very uh, substantial reserve base, about uh, two, uh, most likely around uh, 5 million barrels, but the upside is nearly 26 million barrels. So we want to start drilling that up. Uh, the future wells we expect to drill in the next 12 months, just two more wells from the same rig site, will be able to increase our production rate probably from around the current 140-odd barrels a day to 700 to 1,000 barrels a day. Uh, but we've got this massive gas prospect that we want to drill that, you know, we've also got 50% of it funded by Farmanee, we'll earn 20%, but we've got 80% of it. And uh, so we want to drill that as soon as we can. Uh, because the upside of that is huge. I mean, that could basically service the uh, Austrian economy for about five years yeah. if, if that comes off. Yeah. So there are three things that we want to do fairly immediately, uh, but there's a lot more coming in the hopper that, that we, we, we plan you know, to, to generate more opportunities. Ian, I reckon listening to you talk that there'll be some potential investors scrolling through your stock online as we speak, thinking, Ian, how come your stock price is so modest if the prospects are this good? Yeah, look, I, I think most uh, investors tend to be a bit parochial. Uh, so obviously, you know, we tend to invest in where we, what we understand. I mean, what we are seeing is more and more interest coming uh, from Europe. In fact, we're seeing a large part of the buying of our stock over the last 12 months has actually come from European investors. And, and we, we haven't really done much with that. So I think uh, two things. First of all, with activity, that's what gets investors excited. And once we can actually enunciate an you know, exact timing for the drilling of these wells, uh, I think that'll generate a lot more interest in Australia. Uh, but then secondly, once we do that, I also intend to go and market much more actively in Europe, which I haven't really done yet. And then finally, uh, if, if we kick some goals, then it would also make sense to, to dual list in Europe. So it's easy for investors to actually buy in their own time frame rather than having to buy uh, you know, with over an over-the-counter listing in Europe. Okay, so wrap it up for us then, Ian. We've got a couple of minutes left. Who uh, who are the majority of your investors now and why does ADX tick the boxes for them? Look, actually, the, the majority of the investors are actually the, the, the board and management team of the company. Um, there are some, you know, small family offices that are, that are coming in, but I think we're still regarded as a, as a speculative stock. Uh, the interest that we're getting are from actually now investors from Europe who actually want to see that we can actually solve some of the problems they're seeing in their hip pocket with extraordinary high gas prices and energy prices. So I, I think Europeans understand that uh, actually they haven't done themselves a, a big service by basically ignoring all the gas and taking this sort of NIMBY attitude uh, where they've just been happy to get it from everywhere else. Uh, whereas now they're, they're starting to feel quite vulnerable and they can see, you know, a little Aussie uh, battler in, in a place like Austria uh, actually might just resonate. 
Do you know, I've just realised one thing I didn't ask you, and I know it's a bit late in the pace, but I want to just go back to it. It was Austria really had a duopoly, didn't they? There were two. There were really two companies going for oil and gas. Why had no one else really broken in there before? Well, uh, no one else had because there was no opportunity. They basically held there was two the two main basins in Austria. There's the Upper Austria where we we operate our exploration now, and uh, we're in there also with. The, the previous company that we bought our assets from, RAG, who now just produce a little bit of oil and gas and their main uh, business is, is gas storage. But they were a consortium of Mobile and Shell and, and they obviously had plenty of funds and talent to be able to look after uh, that asset base. And then on the other side, you had OMV. OMV is the national oil company of Austria. Uh, they're a, a big company. They're producing around 480,000 barrels a day worldwide. Uh, but again, um, we bought a little oil field uh, in, in Upper Austria. Um, and now we're only, uh, if you like, the, the third producer in Austria and only the second explorer because RAG uh, got out of the business. And uh, we think they threw the baby out with the bathwater. But, you know, we've seen the same thing happen in West Australia with, you know, bigger companies as well. So. Um, so look, uh, we're we're very happy to have got in there, but the problem is, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, while it's good to be in somewhere that's pretty exclusive, uh, on the other side, it takes a little while for people to really understand what you're doing. Well, we, we will we will promote this interview because I think it's a really interesting prospect and great to have you on the show today, Ian Chuckers. Thank you so much. Thanks, Christina. It was a pleasure. Hmm. Ian Chuckos, Executive Chairman, ADX Energy, really interesting prospect. Of all the things to have come out of Austria, the opportunity to invest in an ASX-listed oil and gas explorer and producer is not an option I reckon many of us would ever have considered. But listening to Ian, and it'll be interesting once you add your own research to the conversation we've just had with Ian to see if it does indeed fire you up to say, hey, we want to become part of this story. You've been listening to Stock Insiders. I'm Christina Morrissey, and we will catch you next time.